Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, host of Dynasty Game Night. My co-host John Bosch and I created this podcast for one reason, to focus on fun. After all, fun is the reason we all started playing fantasy football in the first place. I love games of all sorts, card games, board games, video games, really any kind of game you can think of. So one day, John and I decided it was time for a podcast where we just play games. You might learn something along the way, but you won't find much hard-hitting analysis here. Check out all the other incredible podcasts DLF has to offer for that sort of thing. On Dynasty Game Night, our primary focus is to entertain. So if you like playing games or watching game shows, this might just be the podcast for you. We'd love for you to give it a listen and play along with the contestants and maybe even win a chance to be on the show. We are, in fact, a member of the DLF family of podcasts. My co-host, Jake Anderson, at JakeAndersonFF on Twitter, is still not available. So I'm roping in some uh, some more of our friends to try and uh, make this show interesting and engaging, which is not something I... Not particularly one of my strong suits. So this week I've got uh, John Bosch, not M. Yeah, that's that's it. Uh, John Bosch FF. He is on every podcast, if I remember right, and the creator of... Every, every league every league i think everyone plays in a john bosch league he's uh been described in a variety of different ways but i think doesn't zach reed from the dynasty dummies like to call you a mad scientist or some or something like that i think he does refer to me that as sometimes described in many ways that uh that can be good or bad so that's that's kind of what i, I think it's fitting that's we'll call that fitting Half the course, I don't really have a great subject, but I want to continue on our discussion that I was actually talking about, with, speaking of Zach, not so long ago, about league winners and the difference between them. I know everyone's got championship matchups I've got to worry about, and this week is really important, but um, part of why our podcast comes late in the week is we turn to try and stay more broad, talk about player evaluation or process, um, and when we come to the end of the season, we're really focused on things that we may or may not have learned from the 2019 season, so... Um, I get. I guess that's the first question, John. Like, uh, biggest takeaway is nothing matters. Nothing matters. No. Nothing matters. <laughs> Have, haven't we always known that uh, kind of really? Like, nothing matters but air yards, right? Yeah. I mean, this. Running back stone. I'm, I'm still going to have an okay season by the end of it, but that's only because I play in so many leagues. Um, like, I don't know how. You, I don't know how people handle it if they play in one or two leagues. And their league has been decided what by what some of these leagues are getting decided by. You know, Brashad Perriman. Yay! Mike Boone! Oh, Mike Boone's going <laughs> oh, Boone. to be on championship rosters. I like, have I mean, this is... Alexander Madison on so many playoff teams oh, that are now gone. Good thing. Good thing. you. Good thing. <laughs> Not handcuffed all year. Just waiting for Dalvin to go down. And now it's going to be Mike Boone. I mean, like, that, that's the... It's it's heartbreaking this time of year. We we do so much work all year, thinking that everything that we do is gonna be what leads us to the championship, and then it's getting a freaking lucky player off the goddamn waiver wire, 
Ugh. That Jake already got, because you're right. Jake's yeah, the waiver wire Jake wizard. Waiver wire. Somehow he can't find time for a podcast, but he does literally spend his entire <laughs> life looking at the waiver wire, making sure he gets whoever uh, you're going to want in about a week. Um, and it might be an edge I need to explore more. Now I'm playing up against most of my leagues now with, well, you and Jake. And, like, the edges we tell people about don't work when everyone's doing them. <laughs> like... Yeah. Um, I've really been trying to break down just a little bit because I'm still in the midst of projections and doing projections for the uh, playoffs as well. So my, my offseason won't start for a while here. But like just looking over some rosters, um, it's what I was telling you about the league I'm in that you designed, which is an auction league, and I hate it. I'm a very vanilla league player, um, it turns out. <laughs> like The more you give me to think about, I'm like, you've... Like, I research for weeks the most mundane stuff. So if you give me complicated stuff, it's like, oh, well, there's a year of my life right there before I can play. This is a salary cap, Lee, and that's, Peter. It's that's nothing what you, but numbers. Yeah, exactly. This is right but up your alley. There's, you can't give me a variable because, like, I'm, I, I want to spend a year researching it. And I have to play this week, so I can't. <laughs> and it's, so it kind of gets pushed under the bus. Um, and then I don't know what to do. But, um... Yeah, I was looking at that team and my others, and what I found, and looking over my ranks, pre-draft, post-draft, and just general takes that I've put out there on this podcast and on Twitter, I can't find where I'm wrong. And I'm not saying that, like, I know everything right, because, like, I've had a terrible year. Like, in the leagues, like, I did some draft consultants leagues, and I was really paying attention to them, and in my public leagues, which I'm dropping this off-season, yeah, I smashed the shit out of those, that's fine. But like in le- in the league that you design and the league with anyone like Jake or um, the the outhouse league outhouses uh, trade addicts league where people are as active as me, um, one I wasn't paying enough attention. I wasn't playing the wave wire game nearly as strongly as even I normally do, let alone Jake. Um, but like my teams are good, and looking at my takes and looking at who I liked and my ranks, like last year I got shit wrong and I understood where I went wrong and I think I improved. This year, I don't, like, who didn't like Christian McCaffrey? I had him as a running back one for for the Scott Fishbowl and everything. Obviously, you can only draft him if you have the first spot, and I, I played silly because it was fun for me. But, like, those aren't the players that I really, I always, I, I, I criticize myself for getting right or wrong. Because you really can only get them if you have one of those top few picks. Um, it's really out of your control, especially in regular snake drafts. So it, it, it's the others. But like none of the ones that are hitting right now, I like them. I argued for them in many cases, but I didn't reach high enough over whoever took them above me, if you know what I mean. So like it's early days breaking it down, but I'm finding a lot of that. And then the ones that I did get, like Austin Eckler is looking at like one of the biggest values for this season, and he's still going strong even with Melvin Gordon on the field. Um, so like he f- he's going to finish something like 38 spots ahead of where he was drafted and I have him in almost every league and yet even like in that league that you designed where I didn't even make the playoffs I don't think like I got Austin Eckler so I got one of the best hits this season and my team's still kind of middling I'm like what's going on I really don't understand 2019 in that way like <laughs> I can't point to a big player I didn't wasn't high on or one of the league winners that I didn't get enough of. It's almost like I didn't get enough of them concentrated in one league, and I'm I'm attributing it mostly right now to the competition level. Now you don't have takes on individual players, as we all know, <laughs> as big fans of John Bosch. But like, is there a position you think acted strangely this season that might continue to act strangely? 
I mean, the the easy one to pick on is tight end because we just don't know what to expect week in, week out from tight end. Beyond, like, what, the top six? I mean, do we even feel comfortable at six, maybe? And the most recent tight ends to go off, they were nobody before. I mean, Tyler Higby's been controlling it down the stretch. Maybe he's going to disappear now uh, if Everett's back in the lineup. So I think tight end's the position I have... I used to attack tight end by saying, you know what, I'm just going to get like three or four of them and I'll play the matchups week in, week out. Well, unfortunately, you can't have 16 of them and you can't play the Arizona defense every single week. So (laughs) it's not like DraftKings where you can just pick and choose your tight end. You have to have them on your roster. So I think I've, I think I really have come around to saying like tight end, that's the one that I'm just going to start paying up for it. I mean, I don't care if it looks like an overpay. That's a position where I'm tired of getting a guy that goes out and gets me eh, seven or eight points. I used to be okay with that. Like, that was fine. Give me seven or eight. I'm going to invest elsewhere. But the fact that I would have to get four or five tight ends on a roster, like, that roster space becomes valuable. That takes away being able to add a DJ Chark off the waiver wire. Um, One thing that I noticed on the teams that I do have DJ Chark, or did at the beginning of the season, and I've traded him away since, it was on teams where I had like so much flexibility to do whatever I wanted with the last like four or five spots in my roster. And most of that was because I only had one tight end on there. There was a couple of teams where I had like two running backs because I only use running backs when I want them at the end to, to win. I mean, like running backs are the last thing. So I would, I would have my team just stacked with wide receivers. And that's how I ended up getting a guy like DJ Chark. So I think... While it might seem like an overpay to just go out and get the tight end that you want and the tight end that you think is going to be the right one, the one that you feel safe playing every single week, I think the added value and what you can do with those roster spots, I think it's worth it to me. So, I, I mean, I'm going to try and target getting that uh, that advantage at the tight end slot. You know, I have a lot of Kelsey right now because I started to make that transition to the tight end getting one of them for this year. So I paid up a lot for Kelsey. I don't know if he's going to be the guy in 2020, but if I don't I know if he's the guy this year. Um, yeah, I mean, he was like, a, we he, don't have was, a Gronk. I mean, I, I agree with, good enough. Seeing, I agree with <laughs> what you're saying broadly. Like I really, the roster spots are an interesting point because I, I feel like I do really well at tight end, man, not, not to float my boat on something, but for no, some you reason, you, you wait, you wait, and you get them two years after they're drafted. Yeah, it's a really good system. It works. Um, like this year, I struggled because I didn't get Austin Hooper. I got Austin Hooper last year, then traded him because that's what you do. And and going back to the, I don't know Travis. I don't know Austin Hooper. Is it either? Like we don't have a Gronk. We don't have a player that's worth paying up that much for that can never really make that much of a difference right now. I'm not sure. Maybe George Kittle. Maybe. Um, I'm not saying I think that. Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews is the guy I'm going to go for. I think. Yeah, Mark Andrews is really good, but he's like a Hunter Henry. He's not Jimmy Graham level, even like that much of a difference maker compared to the rest of the field. And it might be that the field is spreading a little more, uh, and that's the reason. More than the heights aren't as good. It's just that the field is spreading. I, now we have five instead of two, kind of a thing. The ability to put Mark Andrews in there, I never feel like he's going to have a floor game of zero. I mean, if I throw Tyler Higby in this weekend, he might get me zero. I don't. I don't think with Mark Gerald Andrews ever, is ever coming out with zero. You know, like even Darren Waller, like he boomed, but this guy's had some years in the past that weren't the best. So I'm not ready to fully trust 
Darren Waller yet. You know, it's great to have him right now. It's great the season that he had. If I can move off of him to, like I said, Mark Andrews, I think that's my target. That's the tight end. I have a good amount of him because I like them coming into this year, thankfully. Um, but anywhere I don't have him, I think I'm going to go try and get him because I want to just have that nice, safe tight end floor. And that's fine. I think, I think it's an advantage in the leagues. I, I think it's an advantage because it's so tilting that people, even like you, will do that. Like, you're not making the mistake of, I'm going to draft Kittle in round one, which is how you lose out in Dalvin Cook. But at the same time, like, I had Austin Hooper last year and sold him. And I'll do the same with Andrews. and Wall- I've got a team with Andrews and Waller, by the way, in redraft. Like, uh, still struggling. Um, because they're just not... Not to just keep using Gronk, but... Um, the, Nobody's going to be Gronk. That's the thing. No, no one in this group is... Quit looking for it, quit looking for Gronk, it's, Patriots fan. No, quit. Look for the next Waller. Ne- look for the next Andrews. And these guys are good, and I think, you know... Yeah, but that's so and, hard to hit on Waller Andrews, on a guy like that. Andrews was a little bit hard. easier to see coming. It's not that hard. But, um, and if it's not, <laughs> then you can Nobody still can get... Wall- Nobody saw Waller coming. Then you can still get top 12 I mean, they did, but you, not to late. You can still get those 7, 8 points from... Uh, if you miss on him. Like, I missed... I didn't grab the new Hooper. I didn't grab Andrews in every league. I got him in a few. Um, and I didn't get Waller in every league. But I got, like, um, Dallas Goddard in a few. And I've got... Uh, I had Foster Maru running for me a while. And that goes back to your point on roster space. Like, I, my... If I don't hit on that one or two, then I end up... Ha- it, it takes three roster spots, essentially. is what the system requires. And I think that's where it's a difference-making, like you said, because you can't add as many players that might turn into DJ Chark. I think that's yeah. where the edge is. Um, but again... I think that that's a huge edge, to be able to get a wide receiver, because I feel like wide receivers kind of can hit... With a little bit easy, A little bit easier, they're going to hit than a tight end out of nowhere. But the other danger of that is Hunter Henry. Like I ended up with a lot of Hunter Henry this year because he was cheaper than he should have been. And, and it should have worked out, but he got injured again. <laughs> and that yeah. can easily happen to the Andrews. And then you've paid more for safety that no longer exists. And you're back to using extra rocks, roster spots. Except you also have to use another spot for the guy you reached up for. Like, I don't think, I don't think we're in a place right now just with what's available that, um, justify spending more on it but that's me um it's tight end man it's boring you, no, you, no one cares about tight end you, you, <laughs> you enjoy you enjoy getting your seven or eight now i i do like your i love how you actually attack tight ends uh and to back up mark andrews i would love to have dallas goddard and mike kosicki like those are the two i like i want that combo give me andrews and kosicki or give me andrews and goddard and then then i feel like you know what i'm good I don't have to go filling my roster with two or three more tight ends. I don't have to put any more on there. I'm good with what I got. I'm going to roll them out, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and take shots on wide receivers. And, hell, I'm going to take shots on running backs and just save them for freaking ever. <laughs> and then when Mike Boone comes in to win the championships, oh, jeez. Tilting, tilting. Sorry, I, the Dalvin Cook uh, team's. Are uh, feeling the pain this week. I I got kicked out by the Buffalo defense <laughs> on my Dalvin Cook team, so like, <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, uh, I lost by two points when they had twenty five points from the like. It was a great team too, just because the Buffalo defense and I was down a little bit more than usual because Dalvin Cook suffered. It was it was it was painful. Um, yeah, don't play with defenses. <laughs> 
Biggest win as a wide receiver to switch position. Because like I say, I think only I find tight end interesting, to be honest. Um, John Brown, interesting enough. Michael Gallup and A.J. Brown make the top three. Players drafted rounds 8 to 11, 8 and beyond. I think that's the kind of range I'm looking for, you know. you. <laughs> Above that, you really are ADP dependent. It's whether you can trade up or trade down to get the right picks, to get the right players. But I think rounds eight onwards are where people are swinging for the fences, you know, reaching, everyone's reaching on their ADP a little bit. And those are the three players that stuck out to me between rounds eight and 10 per Dynasty League ADP. Now, Gallup was, guy got lucky, honestly. I, I lost a little bit of faith in Gallup after last year, especially when Cooper came in, but I still liked his profile and he dropped the wide receiver 54 and I just ended up with him in a few, lot of places. Cortland Sutton uh, looks pretty good for his draft position. Wide receiver 32, finishing 17th right now. Um, and then again, AJ Brown. Uh, drafted as wide receiver 41, finishing inside the top 24 at least. Those, there's two different parallels right now. You've got the Devontae Pargas and John Browns in the league for a while, shown some things in John Brown's case and not shown others. Now they're getting a little bit older. Is, is there a type of wide receiver you hunt in the off season for next year? Is it the guy who's more proven that finally did it one year? Or is it um, rookie fever time is, or sophomore season time? <laughs> Uh, for me, it's basically trying to diversify uh, just because of the league volume that I have. Uh, you mentioned Devontae Parker. I don't have any Devontae Parker because I have literally never liked him. So thankfully, I have not been along for the bust years. Um, so I'm not a scarred Devontae Parker owner. But that means I have none. Well, let's say he does actually maintain this. And he is the number one wide receiver in Miami. Miami brings in a quarterback that becomes exciting. All of a sudden, I want to have some Devontae Parker. Guy I have a lot of that was getting a little bit older is T.Y. Hilton. I straight up traded one one for one. Um, I think I've lost value on the trade, but I'm okay with that because to me, it's just basically hedging a bet, you know, that maybe Devontae Parker is going to be this one. If he does, then I'm not completely missing out and I'm not across... You know, across all of my leagues, I'm not completely zero. And if something happens to T.Y. Hilton, like, I have so much exposure that that hurt me <laughs> this year. Uh, so it was worth it to me to go ahead and get rid of him. That's the that's the kind of move I try to make at wide receiver. I think they're a little bit more predictable. I don't typically seek out just, like, one guy and say, I want to add him to every single one of my rosters. Because I think that's a high, high risk. Uh, one injury then and you have a lot of rosters that are going to have some gaps. So wide receivers, I do evaluate at the end of the year and I see what my exposure is because throughout the year it changes. I make trades often for whatever I need, you know, for the next week, for the next three weeks, for the rest of the season. So at the end of the season, I kind of have to do a reset and I might have to, might have to shuffle some cards around a little bit. Yeah, that sounds really boring. Um, <laughs> no, um, I, I could go in, like, I see you're one of these filthy quarterbacks matter for wide receiver people, and I'd love to have that argument again. But um, I just noticed something, um, and I know... Wait, what did you, I'm sorry, what did you just call, what did you just say? Fil- I didn't hear it. Are you one of the filthy quarterbacks make the difference for wide receiver people? Um, and I'm not really uh, on that train. 
I think like, I think there's a lot of things that make the difference for a wide receiver. Don't back out now, John. You've put yourself on the No, no. <laughs> I think talent I think talent's the least important part of it. You know that. No, no, but there's a player here I just noticed that's finishing <laughs> System higher. System and quarterback above all. Higher than where he was drafted. Um, and you're pretty much the only one I know that's had like a firm opinion one way or the other, let alone yours is positive. And Darius Slayton, he's someone I've seen you mention a few times in different places. Um, I have no opinion on him, and I've been meaning to ask you why you like him. Oh, I, I'm the wrong. Bobby, you got to ask Bobby about him. Uh, Bobby's big on Darius Slayton, which is nice because Bobby talked about him a lot. So I added him on a couple of Dynasty teams uh, before he kind of got a little movement, which was nice. The reason I love Darius Slayton is because he won me money in DFS. <laughs> I mean, that's that's plain and simple. He's got a, heart, a place in my heart from one week of production where I happen to play him pretty heavy and he hit. So, I, I mean, I do like him. I'm not somebody that's going to go out and give up a late first to early second, which I think is kind of his going rate right now. That seems expensive to me. I will just wait. And as the offseason, you know, goes on, Heaven Ingram's healthy again, you know, people are seeing Sterling Shepard got a high volume this past game. He might not have had the same stats that Slayton did, but Sterling Shepard gets looks in the Giants' offense. Now, granted, that was with Eli Manning, so maybe it's a little bit different with Daniel Jones. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not going out. I'm not seeking out Slayton for the prices that he is right now. I think that's way too expensive. Yeah, that's kind of. I like him. Don't get me wrong, I like him, but I'm not paying a late first, early second for him. That's just too much for me. That's kind of um, the way it worked out with projections as well. Noticing that Slayton's got the production, but. Um, Shepard's got all the volume. It's um, going to be interesting mm-hmm. in Week 16. But again, we don't care. I'll go get. I'd rather go get Shepard for probably <laughs> a late second, early third. Like if I want a piece of the Giants' offense, if I want a piece of their wide receivers. So no, uh, give me. I'll go get Sterling Shepard. So you're not okay. Go. Cool. <laughs> and that fire that is the uh, Giants' offense. Daniel Jones might be back this week, though. I hear. Well, be fun. yeah. Um, another one of these wide receivers which might create a bit of a question mark this season fits in the drum brown mode like what are you thinking about Jameson Crowder right now he's been getting the volume all year so I've he's always been like the type of guy that I I just can't I can't go in on Um, and I know that I know they're a secret weapon in PPR not so secret weapon I just that's never been the wide receiver that I want a guy that it's awesome. Those weeks that he catches 11 balls, you know, that's great. But on the other weeks where he gets, you know, five catches for like 50, 60 yards, uh, I I will not be investing in Jameson Crowder. I can understand if, if you need a wide receiver in, you know, he's the only one that's available. He's probably not terribly expensive. I have not looked up anything about him because I have no interest in going to get him. Slayton was one that I, I've kind of uh, followed the market on because <laughs> I have some vested interest. Crowder, I don't know. What what do you what would you do? You, you give any interest in Crowder? Not really, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's been great I mean, this he's, season. He's paired with a young quarterback, like, but he also is paired with Adam Gase. Like, yeah, I liked him early in his career, but it's one of, just one of those things. Um, sometimes players have good years outside their first three, four years, but even where he was drafted, to do it this late, it's kind of a signal. It, it follows a trend of it not continuing. That's the way I was going to say it. Like he, He's obviously a good player, um, but he's just not impressing him enough when it 
what's 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 the right phrase here clutch factor like he's been this guy in this position numerous times just because he's finally done something with the jets frankly like he fails at it more often than not and just does fine instead of actually producing some of these good weeks so probably not is where i'm gonna land on um jameson crowder he's finishing wide receiver 29 or so in the season so far um, I just noticed a name since you were mentioning Devante Parker. I actually haven't run this one across my brain. Like, Preston Williams. Yes. Now you'll see my face light up. I like him a lot. Yeah, right? Yes. Uh, why do you like him? Uh, Mr. Diversification. <laughs> I have 50 leagues. That's why I get to like players. Okay, so I don't, I don't like players. Uh, I like him because he's... I mean, I, I think I can go out and I think I can get him for i bet i could get maybe a second like i'm guessing he's in the second range um <laughs> i know we talked positively about Devonte parker i'm still kind of skeptical let's call it about Devonte parker um we've seen more bad than good from Devonte parker preston williams he's a good player i mean he fell because of you know some non-football issues we'll say so maybe he's got that straightened out I think he was having a great season. The fact that he's ending up injured, I think that makes him affordable in the off season. You know, people did not invest much to get him. Maybe they got him off the waiver wire. Maybe they took him in the fourth round. So if you come floating around with like a second round pick, I think they, I think people will jump at that. I'm, I don't really want to pay an early second for him either, but if I can squeeze him for a late second, like, I'm going to feel pretty good about that. I, I like the position that he had in that offense. And I do think Miami brings in a quarterback. I know you're saying quarterbacks don't make the wide receivers, but uh, they definitely have an impact. Uh, so, I, I, you know, that's an offense that in the past I've never really wanted any of it. But I, you know, I assume they're going to draft. I mean, let's face it. We, we all kind of think they're going to get Tua, right? If they get Tua. I'm going to feel... <laughs> is, that, is that a running back? I don't know. <laughs> oh, Peter. He's a quarterback. Please. Uh, okay. You know, I assuming they assuming they get him, that's an offense that I think looks like it could have an upswing. You know, we've seen what some recent quarterbacks have done for some offenses that were a little stagnant before that. They can come in and electrify an offense pretty quickly. I know, man. I think your teams are going to be stacked with Miami and Giants players at this point. I think we need to do a little better for you. But oh, um, I think God, no. I think... Uh, I mean, there are... I, I literally... There are some teams where I would, like, cross off their list, and I'm like, I just... Like, I, I'm not taking Washington players. Uh, I think I have, I have Adrian Peterson on some teams, because, you know, he's old and cheap. <laughs> but, right. uh, like, I don't... I, I don't know that I have any Washington wide receivers, uh, which, you know, maybe I'm going to miss out on the big Terry McLaren, but oh, no, thank I'll, you. Be, I'll, I'll take the, I'll take the risk, uh, because I don't want to have Josh Doxson over and over. Uh, just certain teams I do totally avoid. Right. The Dolphins usually are one of them, but you know, I think they, I, I saw enough spark in their fantasy production this year that I'm not completely avoiding the Dolphins going forward. Same with the Giants. They were the same way, except for Saquon, obviously. Even Ingram made me nervous. Yeah, it's one of the parts where we cross over the most. Like, it's difficult in some cases, because I play the value game as much as anyone in Dynasty League. I think it's one of the smartest ways to play it, but, like, what I enjoy is taking a stance on a play and getting it right or wrong. E either way is fun. 
and, and God where bless you, you Peter. I'm, I'm, I love the work that you do because it makes it easier for me to figure <laughs> out players. Like I know, but I'm glad somebody's doing it. I'm so addicted to it that I can't commit to value like the way you do. So it's mm. interesting in some ways, but I, we do cross over a lot when it comes to like I just don't want none of that team. Like I, I yeah. just don't want it. <laughs> like God, God be with you, New York Jets player holders. Yeah. I just get rid of Gase and then do something, and then maybe. But I no, I just don't want it. And the same with Washington right now, but that comes more to play evaluation with um, Macklin as well, but which seems really unfair at this point. It's going to take a while before anyone uh, gives me a break on the Macklin hype, I think. What do you think about the Titans? The Titans were a passing offense that were, uh, let's call it heavily avoided. I mean, like A.J. Brown dropped solely because he was drafted by the titans and people are like nope don't want any aj brown now um (laughs) what do you think about the titans now that you know a Tannehill's got to be coming back i think there are a lot of reasons a lot of lessons in the titans one i'm i was both right and wrong i was all on the Corey davis train but having literal staying up late wondering how i can get aj brown because i really did like him as a player and he was just falling in this draft position where i was just never getting him and but i liked him i didn't like the argument in this situation where the the team is so terrible that it can't produce good wide receivers. So there's a lot of shit going on right there. Um, so let me slow down here. The problem with the Titans' offense is it's low volume, and the fact they're doing well this season, it's probably going to stay low volume. Ryan Tannehill has seemed to introduce, whether he works better for the system or not, he seemed to introduce an element of efficiency. I do not trust Ryan Tannehill to be the Russell Wilson uh, of Tennessee. Like, that's what he would have to do to keep up um, the passing offense. And I just don't trust him to do that. I don't think Mariota was that bad either. So I think I know what we're capturing here. Ryan Tannehill's better for the system. He's not never been a terrible quarterback, but never been a great quarterback. I assume, unlike Russell Wilson, Tannehill has to fall back down to earth because he's just not that level. But um, at the same time... I think, I think 2018... I, th- I think we'll look back at 2019 Ryan Tannehill... And this will be the best year of his career. Yeah, definitely. And the other thing to learn from it is, and this is coming from someone who really went in on third-year Corey Davis, it's time to get out on third-year Corey Davis. Like, if you don't do it in the first three years, it's a problem. I still still like him. I still like him, but it's a big problem. (laughs) And that's the other lesson here. Like, Corey Davis had the volume thrown to him. And that's what I said about his draft cap on. I thought his profile was good enough to say he could do something with it. Um, he was definitely a prolific receiver in college, and Devontae Parker, and like just him, and maybe Kennedy Britton year eight, is showing that good players still can come back from terrible things. But like the long trend has this being the last year he's getting artificial volume from his draft capital, and his what he's capable of from college hasn't translated well enough, or he hasn't translated well enough to do something with it. And that's I'd say the other lesson: like Tennessee still hasn't become a high passing volume offense. Um, Tannehill's helped, but I don't think the quarterback does enough that it just, like, it could have spread through multiple players and still been this efficient. Tannehill still could have done that. The fact it's all funneling through A.J. Brown and Corey Davis has dropped, I think that's the other lesson here. It's not just the situation of the quarterback. It goes to that thing that I think is true. A.J. Brown, who's shown he can translate his game, however or why ever, better in the NFL level. So I think the passing game is going to be down, but A.J. Brown's definitely shown himself to be a player that can translate well. So without Russell Wilson, what does that become? It's a good question, but I think A.J. Brown's definitely earned himself a place in the top 24, and the the nature of his game gives him top 12 upside, just because he's not a crowder 
you know, he's not going to play that kind of role. If he's doing well, he has top 12 upside. What would you cash out on? A Cor- Cor- Corey Davis. Second round pick. Uh, somebody offers you, somebody just won, when they win the league championship, they got the 212 now. And they say, you know what? I'll just add, oh, I'll add Corey Davis and maybe he pops and it helps me get back there next year. Well, I'm not throwing him away just to throw him away. Um, I, if I think I can use that second round pick in a trade to get someone else I'm interested in, then yeah, I'm doing it. I'm not holding out much vote for the player is the overall thing here. So you give him up for the 212? Uh, league situation dependent, but yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to nail, I want to nail you down here. Right. Yeah. What if he's not going to be a starter? You, you've got... You, if he's not going to be a starter, you, I just hold him for the 212. But if I'm really trying to make a move and I think I can trade the second better than I can trade Corey Davis, then I'll take the second. Okay. I think Corey Davis is a guy that we will see moved in a lot of leagues in the offseason. Yeah. He's he the kind be. of guy that some, some people are going to want to buy on the cheap on the off chance that he does Devonte Parker it you know i think that's i think that's actually going to be something that causes him to be moved the fact that Devonte Parker finally put it together for a year if there's a player that fits that mold and there really isn't but if there is one it is Corey Davis i still think he has a great draft profile i still think he did great things in college for whatever reason man that was so long ago he hasn't done it well enough in the time frame the nfl usually gives you to prove it and again that's the aj brown lesson like he's done it remarkably early Corey davis had three straight years of getting the volume and doing okay like he's not a complete burst he got a top 25 season he produced fantasy points he didn't Josh Doxson. He didn't um, Brashad Perryman, even though he's now a league winner, apparently. <laughs> Obviously. He didn't Laquan Treadwell. This guy came in, got volume, and did something with it. It's just... Didn't he put up, like, 800 yards last year? Like, wasn't he... Yeah, I mean, like, 80 catches, 800 yards? Like, it wasn't bad. It was, like, 990-something. Like, it was nearly 1,000 wow, season. Wow, that's even better. With 25% market share going into his third year, and that was kind of my argument for him. And um, he just missed being a breakout player basically um and it's not because aj brown's there that i fade him it's purely because he's had the years to prove it and he came close but didn't do it which is like if he had never come close i'd be completely out like i'd be i'd be josh doxoning him yeah sell him, sell him for a third i don't care um but where he did get pretty close in year two like i don't think he's going to be an irrelevant player but neither's you know marvin jones so um that that's kind of the upside of him for me right now um but yeah there does seem to be this pattern to you know john brown jameson crowder even Devontae parker and i guess brashad perriman to a certain extent where the wide receivers that are killing it this year we've got a few second well all the second year breakouts um so these young guys and then we've got these more veteran guys breaking out there seems to be a little bit of a Trend, which isn't typical. I don't. I think that might be something new I meant, noticed this year. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. But um, a lot of these John Browns and Jamison Crowders showing up a little bit more than we would have expected. Marvin Jones. That's something that uh, Catillo has actually kind of helped me with. I used to think that I wanted like the stud wide receivers, and that was nice. And it is. I mean, like having DeAndre Hopkins, it's fantastic. Having Michael Thomas, it's fantastic. But wide receiver is a place where you can get by with like volume number twos like you know and then you can play the matchups if i'm gonna have a roster 
spot. Like, you know, if I'm looking at my whole roster and there's a certain position where I'm, I just have way too many of them, I want it to be wide receiver because <laughs> there's going to be plenty of times where I can slide a guy in because I know the matchup is going to be good enough for him mm-hmm. that he's got that upside. And I mean, that's, you know, you and I both listen and dabble in DFS a little bit. And that's where you can pull that kind of stuff. You know, Hey, this wide receiver is going to pop this week. The number one guy on the team has a terrible matchup. The volume's going to end up being forced to him. So if I can roster that type of wide receiver, like you said, the John Browns, um, not that he's the number two, um, but you know, some, some guy that, you know, Robbie Anderson, Jamison Crowder, one week's going to be a Robbie week. Tougher to predict, it seems, but there are people out there that spend a lot of time trying to set up which weeks are going to be a Robbie week, when it's going to be a Jamison Crowder week. So I think I think that's an advantage, too, to for the wide receivers in that range that you're talking about. Stacking them in there and playing the matchups, the investment into them is a whole lot cheaper than trying to go out and get a stud wide receiver. Yeah, I really recommend DFS content for that. Just a different way of thinking about the game. Like, I've been listening to it for years for that reason. It's huge. I, there are some lessons which I'm firm on. Not These guys are all smarter than me, but if you ever hear them doing a rookie evaluation, fade it the hell out of your life. There's not a single DFS player I can think of, outside of the ones that also do Dynasty, like Evan Silver's an exception, obviously. Um, but DFS people that are like genius DFS players cannot evaluate rookies to save their fucking lives. They just care they about. They basically <laughs> care about forty times. So whenever so it's, you a hit, one, it's a one week season for them, so that's all that matters. Yeah, exactly. But that's the <laughs> thing they fine. they get it wrong week to week every year because they think this rookie's got something. So no, a rookie doesn't have anything. <laughs> um, and that's like like the only extra edge I've found in DFS that there's one you know one me pittance, but it does. When you fade the popular streamer because DFS guys like their forty time and you like that that that's not it, Chief. Um, but yeah, outside of that, DFS is fantastic content. It's it's been tricky to figure out how to fit it into my game. Um, we can't open up a whole branch of another subject here, but it'd be interesting. Like the obvious way to think about it is DFS content helps you with start sit decisions, like you were just saying. But so much of it is about ownership and variance and playing volume in those competitions that it's not straight uh, easily transferable to start sit decisions you know they were playing Justin Watson last week as much as they were playing Brashad Perryman in different contests for example in order to get that variance and try for different lineup structure so there's an element of the game that doesn't translate well and so early on in listening to DFS content I got that I got the value of it wrong a lot. Like, have you found that with DFS content? There's not a direct line to start sit because so much, there's other aspects of the game that they're considering that don't translate, like volume so and I, variance. I don't use it just for start sit. I mean, I do. I, I think it is fantastic for start sit, actually. It helps out, uh, yeah. Because you, you can end up starting a guy like Danny Amendola that you look at your roster when you go to hit submit lineup on MFL and you're like, Danny Amendola, like, I don't want to play him. <laughs> really. But if you've been listening and you're like, oh, okay, so the matchup's going to be good for Danny Amendola. Maybe you're going to maybe you're gonna think about that a little bit more. And that might help you with your start sit there. That's a guy that you're, otherwise you're kind of like, he feels like he's a roster clogger and you're never going to use him. 
but when you hear that from a from a daily fantasy perspective and i understand like they're they're focusing a lot because of the value the cost of him makes him really really appealing in dfs but that doesn't take away from the fact that he's got the right matchup to become appealing so i do use it for some start sit but what i use it for even more oh man when there is a guy that's like almost an unknown when i hear like oh this guy's got a real low salary he's got a he's got a place to pop this this week I look for the waiver wire and I like to see if I can add him. I'll never forget Taylor Gabriel was the first one that really, really worked out on. It was like, might've been two years ago. All of a sudden he got started. People started talking Taylor Gabriel, Taylor Gabriel. And I was like, okay, well I went and I added him in a few leagues. I immediately traded him after that week because he did go off and I was able to get, I don't know. I think I got like some third round picks for him. That's probably what turned I mean. Him in, probably turned him into absolutely nothing. But I, I use it for I use it for more than just the start sets. That's what I mean. If I can where they, get a guy, that's another aspect of it where they only have the week to consider. Um, something I always have to point out about matchup stats is we remember when it works. It's like Emmanuel Sanders had a great slot matchup the other week, and it worked out, and it was true. And for DFS, it's like that's all you need. <laughs> that's terrible. why they keep he's using. terrible the next week. <laughs> and the next great slot matchup, it doesn't work because matchup stats are really informative and there are people in dfs are really good at saying this week it matters that's why they're really good to listen to and learn from but mm-hmm. if you try and apply that more broadly like just as a for myself a layman always get it wrong because matchup stats hurt you more as often as they help you they're basically a coin flip which is the same with any roster decision so it can highlight players <laughs> we'd but be really good at this if we never had to make lineup decisions that's the thing you need someone in the <laughs> dfs industry to really break it down and go look this week this matchup matters and that's why they're really good it's not because they're paying attention to matchup stats it's because they are looking at it so deeply on a week-to-week level that they're able to pinpoint the, when the matchup stats that matter are actually going to matter so broad matchup stats are still a still no use predictively. Like don't play a player just because of matchup stats. But DFS guys are so good at it that when they start highlighting, like you were saying about Danny Amendola, he's had good target share and good matchups almost every week this year. But when they mention it, that's because they're they're spending so much attention paying to that week to week volume. Like I say, it's a really interesting thing to get into, even if it's just a a way to think about the game, a way to highlight players that way. I just Personally, I find it a really weird, not weird, but awkward thing to incorporate into my more ma- my m- more common leagues, Dynasty and Redraft, um, because it doesn't equally translate. They're dealing with so many more variables. Incredibly useful. Correct. But different variables. And um, like, so if you start, like, I'm just thinking like someone listens to this and goes out and tries to use it. It's like, I would listen for a while, <laughs> see how it works, because I made a lot of mistakes when DFS content first crossed my desk. I was like, I got to use this for every start sit decision, and it. You know, I'm gonna play my not... three thousand dollars. I'm gonna play the three thousand dollar wide receiver exactly. over Adam Thielen. No, you don't do that. I mean, such like... good value to get that you're not paying <laughs> salary. Great value on DraftKings, <laughs> yeah, yeah. not so much when you're just submitting your regular time. So I mean, you, you're right. You do like you have to figure out how to parse through it. But you can get nuggets from DFS podcasts and content that you're not going to get elsewhere. I mean, you're just not. I mean, it's, it's it's their job to do it. It's their livelihood to look. You said they spent they spend so much time. They also spend so much money on this. Well, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> like for me, that's a pretty big confidence boost that these people are putting in the work. I'm going to go ahead and listen to them because I oh yeah I, I trust they're 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 putting their livelihood on the line, yeah that's uh 
that to me makes makes me feel a little bit more confident in the amount of work they put into like it. Like I said, it's become almost must consume content for me. It's just uh, learn how to translate it a little bit. How yep. and it's for different for different people. Like you and me have different processes, so we fit it in in different ways. And like I, that's that's my caution. Not that, not that they're not right. It's just l- learn it first, <laughs> so you know. I how mean, best in, to use in it. season, I listen to more DFS content and redraft content then I probably do straight up dynasty content because in season I'm right. trying to win in season. Like exactly. Yeah. You know, everybody talks about all oh, now we, well, as soon as the season kicks off, we all shift the redraft mode. Well, yeah, we do. I mean, there's always, you know, the back burner of trying to build for the future in some scenarios and stuff like that. But I mean, if you're not operating in a redraft mode in season, it means you're probably not trying to win that league that year. Right, right. I like winning. So. <laughs> I think everyone does, John, on the whole. Although, yeah, like I said, I do it, enjoy it's fun. I enjoy getting it wrong almost as much because I don't have my livelihood on the road. So I can just enjoy the <laughs> pit. The, the peaks on either end are almost as fun. The tilting is as fun as the flexing. Um, yeah, I disagree there, but... <laughs> I, I have not... I've not yet found fun in the tilting part I of it, don't but, know, man, uh, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I obviously like the other experience better, so I'm trying to get it right. But at the same time, that bittersweetness of having stood on a hill and lost, um, it can be fun. At least, I guess it's Twitter fun more than anything else. But um, yeah, I found joining that too. If, if you can't, I don't know how you keep going, man. Um, you've got to find some enjoyment in the playment of the game, right? Otherwise, you don't always win, and if you didn't, you'd, you'd kill yourself. <laughs> Maybe not that extreme. You you don't always win. Oh, I don't. Okay. I do not, John. Dang, that's it. That's. A... Hang on. All right. I'm just checking our playoff brackets in our <laughs> you, league. Um, you should. You, you in the final over here? <laughs> yeah, you should try to win more, Peter. <laughs> I should try. No, to... I'm down there. I'm down there in the toilet bowl with you. Come on now. I I try to win plenty. I just accept yeah. that I'm not always going to. It's I nice to know that. that you don't. I went, <laughs> I went into that league setting my salary cap up for 2020. <laughs> that was the intent, and I can't wait, baby. But why aren't you it's trying to win? Year, why aren't you trying to win, though? I mean... <laughs> uh, I know. I, I, I rarely, rarely do the not trying to win thing in, a, in the first year of a league. I, it doesn't sit well with me, but in a salary cap league... Where people were spending money like freaking crazy. They really were. <laughs> um, get out of here. With that. All right. Um, we're going to get out of here then. Um, thanks for coming on the Crossroads, John. Really appreciate it. It's always fun talking to you. Um, are you still doing the Dynasty Game Night, by the way? Yep. Still do Dynasty Game Night. Still do uh, Dynasty Wall Street. We haven't done them in a while. I was going to uh, say, it's been a while since been, I heard that. It's been... Uh, I don't know. We may end up taking all of December off the way it's gone. And we just had some, some timing issues where it's been a little bit tough, you know, this time of year. And I do, I do dynasty panic room now too. That's a, that was a new one that I started this year. And since the trade deadlines have gone by, I haven't been able to really do it. Cause I can't offer a bunch of real life trades on a guy that I'm going after or a guy that I'm trying to sell. But once the trade deadlines are uh, expired and trading opens back up, when there's news that I think I can capitalize on, I'll bring I'll bring Dynasty Panic Room back and and see what kind of uh, see what kind of trades Twitter wants me to offer. Then that should be a really good podcast to get into here as we head towards the off season. If anyone hasn't checked it out, because it's all about like John says, he finds some values on Twitter 
and then goes sells and sends trade offers on them and sees what happens and that's that seems like a really good off-season tool to me twitter uh, overreacts a little bit from time to time believe it or not it's kind of surprising i'm shocked shocked (laughs) shocked to hear you say that Um, this is my shocked face (laughs) right right, like your regular face weird Um, sure does um all right, guys, we're going to get out of here. Thanks for joining us at Crossroads. If we've learned nothing else, John Bosch is a hypocrite because he doesn't like tread deadlines while enforcing them in his own league. So let's get out of here, and we will see you again no next more. week. 2020, baby. I will I will have changes. I was so trying to get out of here before you could say that. Um, <laughs> uh, all right, John, thanks again, and talk to you again soon. Bye. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the place, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that eye, eye like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the plays though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so. Jake on the table and they on the plays though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.